Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through Friday. On the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Panic. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. (laughs) (laughs) Awkward to even talk about. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. Trial, you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic here, as always, with Anthony Slater, West Coast Warriors beat writer, etc. Extraordinaire. Slater. East Coast. Yeah. East Coast. Man, Warriors you're there temporarily. Right you're repping West. Don't try to jump to the other side. What are you doing? You just you're just on a plane. You're just temporary. You're out there trying to track history with Steph Curry. Thinking about taking a day off? Come on, Slater. Crawling, crawling towards history. Crawling. Right just, uh, it's really drawn this storyline. I think out. Matisse Thibel might have might have crawled into his luggage and followed him to Indiana. That was a performance. <laughs> there you go. Now, Sam, one thing you must remember though, the people are listening to this probably on Tuesday. And I don't know. I'm not gonna predict a Steph Curry 7-3 night in Indianapolis, but I was just at shoot around. And I don't know. The vibe's good. I think the fact that they lost the last game, he's been a little bit in a cold slump. I think he might bust out in Indy tonight, which would mean that this pod's pretty outdated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Exactly. (laughs) All right. Talking about crawling. People might be reading like coverage of history. All right. All right. So we make sure we don't lose folks. We're not focusing on Steph Curry on this week's pod. We are focusing on trade season, gentlemen, the NBA trade season. The trade winds are blowing, as you know, because I've been whining off air. The winds are blowing like crazy in Northern California, so it's very fitting. 
I have trees uh, swaying to and fro outside my office window. And in the NBA, we got chatter starting to build. And as you guys know, um, it's December 15th coming around the corner. More and more players available. But I still haven't introduced the other star of the show, John Krasinski, coming at us from Minneapolis. Well, you're not you're not city proper. What town are you in, John? Well, I'm I'm just right outside Minneapolis, so close enough. Okay, there so, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big great city guy. John Krasinski. What's up, my friend? How are you? What's up, fellas? Good to be here. I was complaining to John about wind and rain, and he comes at me with the snow. So I have no weather complaints that are allowed on this pod. Yeah. Guys, we are uh, we're going to make the rounds on the trade front. You both are covering teams that are somewhat interesting in that respect to, for different reasons um, in the Warriors and the Wolves. But I, I will give a quick hat tip to our colleague at the Athletic, Sham Sharania, to start this pod because he gave us plenty to talk about on this Monday as we record um, his latest inside pass at our website. If you haven't read that, make sure you go check it out. Has got. Nuggets galore. Uh, Kyrie Irving of your Brooklyn Nets, who obviously has not played all season long. Uh, there is rising optimism that at some point he will return. We'll get into that a little bit. But the topic, I think, that is natural to start with, because it has been something that's been there front and center all season long, is the one and only Ben Simmons. Sixers are clearly now starting to, you know, we, we know they've been open to moving him for a long time, but we also know they've been very, very picky. You know, as I reported a few months ago, Daryl Morey and his front office have, for all intents and purposes, a, a list of about 30 players that would get the job done to trade for Ben and, and you know, tis the season. And, and to make sure we give the framing of it here for anybody, the listeners and fans who don't know, the December 15th date that I mentioned is the first time that all the players that signed last offseason are now eligible to be traded. And what that means is that essentially the pool of prospects uh, in trades goes from around 65% of the league to 84%. So more possibilities, more scenarios, a lot more to get into. Guys, Ben Simmons, yes, Mr. Slater. I I wanted to – you mentioned the 30 players that will get it done for Daryl Morey. Would he – do you think he'll come to any – like let's say none of those 30 are made available. Um, Would he make this trade for non-one of the 30s? If picks are involved, if two really good rotation players are involved, if – if John's Timberwolves become involved, but don't have one of those 30 players, um, what like, is the, is it just drop dead? If one of these 30 isn't available, it's not going to happen. I, I don't want to pretend to have total clarity. My sense, you know, if you go back to when I wrote what I wrote for sure was that he was going to be, you know, very focused on that list. They were going to be very focused on that list. Um, the rotation player thing. I, I don't see that as being appealing because they think very highly of their rotation players. And we've talked about that previously on the pod and the general idea that they've done a nice job of building out the roster around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And there's just only, you know, only so many players who could help them. Now the one disclaimer would be what is big fella telling you as you get closer to the February 10th trade deadline? Cause we know it's very easy in November and December to act as if you're going to wait this thing out for two more years Um, You know, Joel is an MVP caliber guy and he's in his prime and he's playing well and they've won games. They've been battling some COVID stuff. So, you know, could I see him changing the framework of what he would accept? Maybe, but not much. I think even, you know, one scenario that Shams and I had written about um, that that kind of speaks to your question is like CJ McCollum, right? The idea of Ben going to Portland 
I don't, you know, there's been some reporting in Philly that McCollum would not get the job done. And, and your conclusion there is that he's not on that list. And I think we'd agree he's not considered a top 25 player. So um, we'll see. I think three team possibilities are, are, are you know, likely here. Um, and to make sure we just hit on the bones of the reporting, the teams that are currently listed in Shams's piece as showing interest are the Knicks, the Lakers, John's T-Wolves, uh, the aforementioned Blazers, the Kings, the Pacers, who we'll get into, and then the Cavs. Um, there's a lot of possibilities there, guys. I don't know where you want to start, but John, how do you see this? Well, yeah, I, I think like a couple of things, you know, start to hear that that they are loosening up a little bit. And I think what a lot of teams had been hearing for most of the season was that Daryl's really dug in. And he's going to really just play this thing out and see if there comes a point where some leverage starts to swing back his way or another team gets into a little bit more of a desperate situation or, or things like that. I don't know that the dynamics from the, the buyers, the possible buyers for Ben Simmons have changed all that much um, in the last couple of months. I mean, the Timberwolves have wanted him. They still want him. Um, I don't think that it, you know, they want to trade Anthony Edwards for him now, um, but just like they never have. But, uh, you know, if, if anything, they may have changed even a little bit more in terms of with Portland. I mean, if you really believe the Blazers and Damian Lillard, that that situation isn't going to change with Dame right there. Now you look at McCollum and is, is he even better with the way that he has been playing and then, you know, the claps lung and all that, but like, is he better than Curry for, for Philly right now? I mean, the way that Curry is playing is, I mean, I would rather have him at his salary than, than CJ at his. Now, obviously they're getting nothing from Ben. So you want to kind of fill some production some way, somehow, but uh, I just don't know that many of the league dynamics have changed to have people just banging down Daryl's door now and offering more than they would have six weeks ago. I think some, maybe the dynamics for some teams, like I look at the Kings, right. And they're listed with, with Shams, like Sam, we know like the, the dynamics have changed since the beginning of the season for Sacramento. Remember the off season when they were hinting like, you know, Fox is in untouchable. Don't even come after Halliburton or Mitchell. Like that's, you know, if you're thinking of trying to shift stuff up and, and shake it up in Sacramento, uh, I got to think a lot more is at least in the discussion. And, and if it is, that is a team that, you know, I think maybe Philly's rotation all the way down to rotation player nine is maybe being a little bit overhyped right now. I mean, you have Shake Milton and and Danny Green. Like, there are upgrades. Like, Tyrese Halliburton's an upgrade. Buddy Heald's probably an upgrade somewhere. Sure, he's not necessarily, um, you know, a huge upgrade over Seth Curry. But I just mean... If if Daryl was willing to 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 take a package for from some of these teams, I do think the Sixers would be significantly more in the conversation if if they beefed up rotation spot six and four. Now again, maybe you know Daryl doesn't think like he needs a co-star, I guess. But I look at these list of teams. Find me a co-star that he's going to be able to get for Ben Simmons. Is Ben Simmons a top twenty-five player right now? Not right now. So I just don't understand why a team would give up a top twenty-five totally. player for a guy. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I think like that's what I know that from the Timberwolves perspective for, you know, getting back to this summer, they were kind of, you know, they were hearing Daryl Morey's demands and essentially, you know, it's just saying, OK, um, go find that then. Good luck finding it. 
um, you know, they, they they always were kind of hopeful that eventually the market dynamics would be so stark and real that maybe they would come back and think about a bunch of picks from the Wolves, uh, you know, Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels and, and and several other pieces that would help kind of round out and 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 give the the Sixers more depth and then also some more flexibility going forward. I mean, if they get a couple of juicy Timberwolves draft picks, they can use that down the road to trade for something else. Um, Those are juicy, they, John. Those you, are very you know juicy. All about it. You know all about it, Slayer. Kaminga's the next big star, right? So, I mean, that's but that's what's possible. Um, and so I think that it would make sense to me if I'm Philadelphia to start looking at maybe the possibility that you're not getting an A1 co-star for Joel Embiid, but you're getting some pieces that could eventually be packaged to go get someone else if Damian Lillard ever pushes the ejection seat or if, you know, some other star comes around um, and, and you can swing those. But right in the immediate present, I, I don't see a scenario where Joel Embiid is going to be doing, you know, backflips because uh, a Damian Lillard, a Bradley Beal, whoever is going to be coming in here and, and saving the day for them. It's funny how, you know, I was watching the ABC telecast of the Nets Sixers game the other day. And the obvious talking point was the idea that both those teams could just solve their problem by trading Ben for Kyrie. Uh, part of me just says, you know, that's the the cleanest way to do this. And I do think it would help both teams. I don't see that happening. Um, but John, you talk about evolving dynamics for one, and I didn't honestly know this until now, what I noticed that jumps off the page today is that Philly, when they were putting the messaging out about, you know, the list of 30, um, they were, I believe at the time, I think they had the league's top defense and they are currently 18th. And so, you know, that's a game changer. It's going to change how you look at, you know, a bigger sample size. You now know that defensively you're obviously missing Ben Simmons. And so to your point and your question about CJ McCollum, you know, defensive concerns with a guy like CJ. So you're not getting any better on that end. Um, so let's shift the spotlight to Minnesota. You have written a lot about this in the past. The interest from the T-Wolves has been, you know, there all all the way through. First of all, uh, front office dynamics, Sachin Gupta, taking that role over, you know, Gerson Rosas after he was fired. Does Sachin with the kind of incoming ownership group and all these different layers to it, does he go into this trade season with a full green light um, with freedom to do what he wants with this roster? He does. He has that uh, capability. He's been told essentially that they're going to kind of evaluate things as the season progresses, but that they, the, the, the attitude that the new owners, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez have come in with and now coupled with Glenn Taylor is that they want to be in this playoff hunt. And so right now they're 12 and 15. They beat Portland on Sunday night um, to snap a five game losing streak. They got D'Angelo Russell back. So they feel a little bit better about their situation now, but they're in the nine seed and this is good. There's a huge log jam from like four to 12 or 13. And so they see an opportunity to climb the ladder. If they can improve their roster, they need playmaking, they need size, they need shooting, they need defense. And Ben Simmons brings all of that except for the shooting. So uh, he definitely remains very high on their list of, of, 
people that they want to entertain offers for and that they want to try and see if there's a deal to be done there. And I do believe that if Sachin Gupta gets to a point where he finds a deal for Simmons, for Miles Turner, for whoever is out there and and says to ownership, hey, I think this is going to be a good deal for us for the immediate future and for our long-term future, we should do this. He would, I think, have their support. You mentioned Miles Turner. I got to tell you, it cracked me up with, you had a great column the other day on why the Wolves need to make a move and they had a bit of a slide. But my goodness, John, help them, Miles Turner, you're their only hope is pretty grim. <laughs> that well, was, I mean, that was know, the lead to the column. They're, they're just, trying to sneak yeah. in the play in. All right. Yeah. They're trying to sneak in the play. There's a Star it's Wars marathon going on right now. You know? <laughs> so I, I had it front of mind, I think. A Miles bit. is Obi-Wan. What the hell? <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll tell you, though, I, that, that came old, right off of, decrepit. You don't want that on your roster. <laughs> they take a Jedi right now. I'll tell you that. So, um, you know, but th- that came right off of the game they played against Cleveland, and the Cavs are. That makes you gigantic. Princess Leia, by the way. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, the the Cavs are gigantic. They're big, and and the Wolves are very small. And the Cavs just bullied them all over the place. And so, what they have wanted for a long, long time is some size next to Carl Anthony Towns in the front court, a, a rim protector, uh, some more rebounding. Turner spaces the floor a little bit as well. But they they came out of that game so beaten down and so just mauled physically that you're like, how is this going to be tenable, you know, to stay in this thing going forward? So, yeah, it was there was some desperate times right there. And it felt like R2-D2 was sending out a little bit of a of a flare there. Is that the Carl Anthony Towns disappointment? At this point in his career, that he's not the rim protector. That he, I remember back in the '73 win Warriors days, right? He had these like this great defensive performance against Steph. Yeah, uh, even like switching out, but it was like, oh, you know, he's the modern day switchable big rim protector. Um, you know, I just like it. It's interesting to me that they feel like that and I, that the need is Miles Turner. But I mean, I get it because Carl Anthony Towns hasn't rebounded, hasn't blocked shots like you would hope your your franchise center would. No, it's a good yes. point. We're gonna Go we're gonna get into that a little more on the other side of this break, gentlemen. I do want to hear John's thoughts on the T Wolves. We will pivot and talk Pacers, who have lots of capable players available and continue to make the rounds around the NBA after this quick break. All right, guys, we're back. Slater, you were hitting on Minnesota and the Miles Turner interest, and and John, it is a fair point that for one. You know, what does it mean for Carl, uh, even the idea of adding a big like that, uh, moving him over to the four, um, which is, you know, not where he's been for his career. Uh, how do you think he would feel about that kind of a move, even if it wasn't Miles? He's the number one target. But but how does that all kind of come out in the wash? Yeah, I think, you know, to Slater's point, what Carl Anthony Towns has always believed in himself on the defensive end is that he has the ability to move his feet well enough out on the perimeter, whether it's switching out onto guards or if there's a stretch four that he has to follow around to the three-point line, he thinks he can do that. The Wolves think that he can do that. He is not, you know, Bismack, Biombo, uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, kind of traditional sit in the paint and swat everything that comes in his in his area type of a center. And so um, where the Wolves have struggled the most is they're the worst defensive rebounding team in the league. And one of the reasons that is, is because 
the 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 defense they're running right now does have Carl Anthony Towns a little bit out further guarding the pick and roll, and so if if they get behind him, he's not their position for the rebound as often as as maybe some more traditional centers would be. And so if you were to bring in a Turner or somebody like that to put next to him, a Towns can shoot it and to space the floor without any problem to give him room to operate offensively. But then defensively, if you have someone kind of on the backside of the low man to come over and cover for him and clean up whatever dribble penetration comes into the lane, I think that they think that would be a doable kind of configuration for the front court. And so um, you may give up a little bit of speed agility things like that. Um, if you have towns at the four instead of a more um, prototypical stretch four or, or leaner, smaller four. But um, I think that you know, the rebounding and the defense that would come by going that way, they believe would, would definitely be a help for them. John, um, just a quick follow, you know, Turner makes 18 million. That's a pretty easy number to get to, but on the Simmons front, you know, you mentioned, uh, I think Malik Beasley earlier, who's coming in around 14 and a half million Simmons makes 33. How do they get to that number just based on the economics alone? Yeah. I mean, you, so you could, you could throw in, I think Torian Prince is at what around 14 and he's expiring. Yep. So he's 13. Yep. Yep. So that gets you up close. Then you put in Jaden McDaniels, you put in, um, yeah, you're you kind of there at that point and you're, yeah. and you're, and you're pretty much there. You know, I think there was some discussion earlier on, not by, you know, not really among the teams, but in terms of trade speculation, trying to look at how to make it match. I mean, D'Angelo Russell would be, you know, that, that works well, obviously right. the Sixers have not been interested in that Russell is playing better for them lately um, is very important to what they do, but I still think most He's teams top 25, John. Would, would buy <laughs> oh, that. Oh, top 25. Uh, I feel like Min- Minnesota right. would have to be a three-team, right? I mean, like, as we talk about these maybe more complex deals yes. formulating, because what John is saying, like, Minnesota definitely has assets. You know, their, their trade, their first-rounders are, are valued, but probably not by Daryl Morey uh, as much. So, to me, like, that, they could probably only either get in the – Simmons proceedings if it's three four team type thing or you know to me a Miles Turner is a more obtainable asset because you know Indiana should be at least rebuilding right yes. um and and then they should like you know Minnesota draft picks should have a high appeal to them not necessarily players yeah, yeah and I mean, it's that's... a great point Slater I'll just say quickly like the the Wolves are have been operating under the assumption that if they were to get into a Simmons deal it would need to be multi team three four teams to kind of make it doable to get something to Philly that they want and get other assets to other, other teams that would, that would work out for them. They're pretty much resigned to the fact that if it has to be a one-on-one one team with another team that they're going to have a really, really hard time landing Ben Simmons that way. Let's go ahead and turn our attention a little more to the Pacers guys, even independent of, of Minnesota. Um, you know, Shams and Bob Kravitz had reported last week, Bob out of Indiana, obviously, that that it was kind of open season on the Pacers roster. And, and that is a significant development. As you guys know, for years and years and years, this has been one of those small market teams that kind of fought that battle of, you know, we want to be a, a low level playoff team if we can be because you make money that way and you keep the fans coming back. And the rebuilding route was a lot more painful and a lot more costly 
Now they are having attendance issues, so that's kind of happening anyway, even with this roster that has some pretty good players on it. And uh, Herb Simon, who I think is 87 years old and has been resistant to this approach, has given the green light to Kevin Pritchard and that front office to go ahead and make some moves. Now what that looks like, we shall see. The other element here that I find interesting and, and is worth highlighting is that when Rick Carlisle takes his job in Indiana, um, anybody who knows Rick and, and not only his coaching reputation, but the fact that in Dallas he had a significant voice. He's one of those coaches that that almost has, you know, in the past had like a, a Popovich type influence on his team's roster. You know, some coaches have to just wait for their GM to get them players. Rick is one of those guys who's going to be in the conversation. So I think in Indiana, you know, while it might have been Kevin Pritchard speaking publicly to our Jared Weiss, who had a good piece talking to Miles Turner about, you know, his aspirations really to be elsewhere, that Rick's voice and his stamp matter here. Kevin obviously is leading the front office with Chad Buchanan. Um, you talked about Turner, but you got a lot of pieces out there. You know, Sabonis, Karis Levert, even Malcolm Brogdon. Um, Sabonis is, I think you guys would agree, widely considered that the guy that'll probably generate the most interest. But, you know, some some guys that 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 in that group are not playing very well, but but could certainly help other other teams. How do you guys see that uh, those possibilities? Yeah, three in a row for the Pacers. Three in a row, and they got the Warriors tonight. We people might be listening. It might be four in a row. We, we um, need a retraction. They're they're shutting down the doors. You can't have no, any of these uh, guys. I think this a bo- I think it, to me it's be, it's been clear for years they should split up Sabonis and Turner, um, and they've like hinted at it for a long time, but never actually did it. Like to me, like that's the bare minimum that should happen before the trade deadline. One even of them, if they don't tear down. Yes, just split them up. Choose whatever. What gets you? What nets you the best? Well, and Miles, just to interject real quickly, Slater. Like, it's not often you see a player be as candid as Miles was. Yeah, and shout out to Jared. Jared did a great job. He happened to be in Indianapolis. I don't know why that was the case, but it was good stuff. He talked to Miles and just openly on the record, you know, admitted and shared that he wants a bigger role, and that you know the fact that the franchise keeps feeding Sabonis the way they have for years it's nothing personal but you know he yeah. wants that kind of a, a role yeah what's interesting is then you know obviously that became a story in Indianapolis and just following from afar although I'm actually staring looking over at Indianapolis right now because I'm here um he came in the next like press conference with the group of reporters and like wanted to kind of make it clear that he wasn't demanding a trade he's just believes that he could get a big role which to me means if Sabonis is out of here, like there's my role. You know, it doesn't right. necessarily not have to be here. Right. Um, and I'm not demanding you, a trade. So, I'm demanding he gets traded. <laughs> so I think it's smart for for yeah, right. I think it's smart for Indianapolis to to, to look around um, and, and see who which of the two might get a better return. Because yeah, I think Sabonis has the All Star more recently. But look, I think there's a lot of teams, and John covers one of them. I probably cover another one of them that would actually view. Miles Turner's skill set as more valuable. You shoot threes, you block shots, you're not, you know, a hub of the offense, essentially. Where Sabonis, you know, he needs his post touches. He had you kind of have to build a defense around some of his weaknesses. Like he is a very good player. And I do think there are a lot of teams that would prefer Sabonis, but I, you might get the best, you know, package for for Turner. And then you need to decide internally what type of team do we want to be? What type of team does Rick Carlisle want to be? Does he want to be a Sabonis team or a Turner team? Well, yeah, and I think like you know, one thing to to kind of think about the the interview that Jared did with Miles Turner was really interesting because, like, Turner's comments are clearly saying 
I know I can do more and I want a bigger role, whether it's here or elsewhere. Um, if he comes to the Timberwolves and is, you know, it's Edwards, Russell, Towns, Turner's not going to get that bigger role offensively. Right, probably right, they right. want if he goes to the Warriors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The people are talking about the Warriors. Like, yeah, you ain't, you ain't coming into some feature role no, with, with it, the Warriors. It's not happening. So, so it'll just be interesting. I think it's the same issue with Ben Simmons um, in, in some ways, because, you know, if Simmons, I, I, you could argue that Simmons needs to go somewhere and be a Draymond like player, right. A playmaker, um, for versatile guy, but is, does he want to do that? Is he okay doing that? And is Turner like, okay, going somewhere and being a, a third option on a team that's probably fighting for the playoffs or in the playoff mix and, and, and goes that way, or does he want to go like go to Houston and, you know, or you know, yeah, Christian Wood. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Randomly or go to Detroit. Like Jeremy Grant went to Detroit and got this, much more featured role um on a on a losing team like is that is that the option like that's for five minutes and then is probably going to get traded this this season but if you're looking to but he to jeremy grant's credit he has like sort of i think reframed the The conversation around him yeah that's Uh, fair yes so so if i'm a team trying to acquire miles turner i'm i want to have a conversation and what are the expectations coming in before i decide am i giving up a bunch of picks or am I doing a bunch of stuff to bring him in that, that that's a, that's a, an obstacle to kind of navigate as you're looking at a deal for, for someone like that or Ben Simmons as well. In my neck of the woods, probably worth getting into a little bit um, near Sacramento, the Kings, you know, they're going to be tied to a lot of stuff over the course of the next couple of months because of how they played. They've been terrible. And, and now it feels like all bets are off with almost everybody, if not everybody on this roster, the Sabonis, um, possibility locally has been getting a lot of play. Just fans talking about that idea, and I get it. You know what? What sort of deal do you guys possibly see, if any, there? Because um, if you're the Pacers, you're and you're going to actually do the rebuild thing, then you're trying to come after the Halliburton types and you know good young talent. Um, I think Sabonis could be good on the Kings, but I don't know if they can get something like that over the finish line. What's that? What would that mean for Rashawn Holmes, who just saw, you know, he just signed an extension to me. If you got Sabonis, like you don't want him as a four. You probably want him as a five, although you really need to build a good perimeter and wing defense around him if he is your five. Um, but I could see Sacramento, I was slotting like, him as a four. I mean, I was OK with that, but I hear you. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's difficult. I mean, to you know, the. the that won't solve their defensive issues, right? What's been the problem with sack the last few years? Like, you know, um, because they've been a good offense, you know, but um, I can see, I mean, look it, to me that it more speaks to, from what you're talking about from Sacramento, like they're kind of ready to jumble it up a little bit. Right. For sure. I think so. I mean, the, the, the one that you talk about Simmons earlier in the pod guys and how the Kings had been passing and even, you know, publicly kind of posturing that way. And the idea at that time was that, that you know somebody like De'Aaron Fox would be untouchable. Now it's like well, Fox is not getting you Ben Simmons, just not happening. Um, so I, I feel like their prospects on that front have gone down. But I do think that you know they made that playoff push. They're still in the mix, but uh, but I think you know they're going to be talking about everybody. Well, and I think like if I'm if I'm the Pacers and you're making a choice and you're saying okay we're moving on from Sabonis and he's one of been one of our main guys. Um, if I'm sending them to Sacramento, like I don't 
you know, I think you have to, it's, it's got to start with Halliburton or Mitchell as like, if you really like either one of those guys as kind of the, the ten pull piece with picks and because like, what does Buddy Heald do for Indiana or what does right. Harrison Barnes do for Indiana or even Fox to, to, to a certain degree? I mean, he's under contract. I'd be interested in Holmes. He, he got a decent contract. Yeah, you know, yeah, Holmes would young be, guy. Yeah, Holmes Some, would be nice. Something like Holmes and and Halliburton or Holmes and Mitchell, and, and I do view Car. You know, as we talk about Rick Carlisle's imprint on the Pacers, like you know, Davion Mitchell's a Rick Carlisle type of like sure. bulldog point guard, and Halliburton's the type of like you know a versatile guard that that I think would appeal to him. You know, and the question, but the question was to me with Sacramento is like, how much do they value or overvalue those two? You know, are they going to mm-hmm. go into trade and say we want to mix up the roster? But these two valuable assets are untouchable. And it's like, like John said, they're like, well, okay, we don't want Buddy Heald. You know, we don't really want Harrison yeah. Barnes. And then you're not getting anything done. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, yeah, and we'd have to also look at, I, I'm not, um, you know, Danny LaRue here, but I know that, like, for instance, like, I know Brogdon can't be traded this year, right, because of the contract he signed in the offseason. So it'd have to be next year. I think Holmes might be in that category, too. I'm not sure. Um, but there's a few of those kind of guys who who might be limited in oh terms you're right of who you can move yes that's my mistake on brogdon i think you're right about Holmes. uh gentlemen we will keep it going on the other side of this break um i want to get your opinions as we close on just buyers and sellers let's look at the standings and get a sense of who's the most desperate here who's got a little leverage to kind of play the in-between game and try to get the best deal possible and, and also more specifically um Get your perspective on Boston. I think Jalen Brown's an interesting guy to to look at as the Celtics try to find their way. But we will take a quick break. Come join us on the other side. All right, guys. Um, from a macro standpoint, as you know, you know a, a really important factor in trade season is just simply all right. It's that unofficial calculus of what is the state of your team um, in the context of what were the expectations for your team coming into the season. And that means how much pressure or lack thereof is, is on your group. And and so, you know, who's desperate, who's not, let's get into that and try to, to read the room and, and see, you know, who's going to be working the phones out of desperation and who's going to be working the phones because they, they might have leverage and a chance to, uh, to improve their roster. I mean, I know I'm throwing a kind of a big picture question at you, but just top of your your head, what team or teams come to mind first when you just think that they've got to do something? Um, I was going to talk about the Warriors for a second, but they they would be almost be. I think outside looking in, people might believe that there's a desperation. Like, wow, they've shown that they're back in the mix. You know, Clay Thompson's coming back soon. A title is within reach. They have this war chest of, of young lottery picks that they could use who aren't even in their rotation right now, even though they're, you know, whatever, 21 and four. Um, yet that's just not the internal, you know, organizational feeling right now. I think they're, they're not desperate at all. And, you know, Tim wrote about the, the fact that they don't want to trade Wiseman. Um, and that comes from up top. I mean, you know, that's front office, but it's definitely ownership too. And Joe Lake dream of this, like, um, you know, we're going, the party's not going to stop. We're going to keep winning and they keep winning into the next <laughs> decade because, you know, this era of, of title winners is going to hand it off to the Kaminga Wiseman era of title winners. You may, and it might be correct, believe that that's not going to happen and, or how like unrealistic that is. But that to me, like them winning early this season has only reinforced, I think, to, management ownership that like this core they have now can win and they don't need to risk the future to go 
try to also, you know, aid the now and mortgage the future. So um, I, it, particularly before they see Clay Thompson, Warriors, even though you would put think they would be on the buyer list, I don't view them as a buyer right now. I view them as like a stand pat, try to win now, try to win later team. Yeah, I was going to say, if you talk about desperation, it's, you know, we have Lawler's Law where your first team to 100 typically wins on the trade front. I think uh, this is the, the the AMIC version of that is if your winning percentage is above 800, there's no desperation. <laughs> that's, that's good math right there. Yes. But, but I do I do feel like the Warriors get grouped in a lot whenever It's because they have all these pieces, right? And yes, exactly. They have pieces yeah. and they also have, you know, the fans and even the media don't have clarity about and, and listen, you and, and Tim Kawakami and Marcus Thompson, clarity? yeah, you yeah. do all the time. Like, Tim Kawakami just wrote why the Warriors are not trading James Wiseman. So people don't have clarity on how the franchise views these pieces, these players. And so in the absence of that, they just start playing kind of fantasy GM. Joe Lacob has been quoted as saying he thinks James Wiseman is a once-in-a-decade center prospect. Right. You may not believe that's the case, right. but the guy who – stamps the final green light on any deal thinks that's the case and he trust me he has very similar feelings on jonathan coming right so that's just the reality is he does not want to move those two and he's i saw him at the the game the other night in philadelphia i mean he's he's into this team but he thinks this team can win it all and he thinks he's paying for a team you know because you've seen the bill that can that can win it all. The only thing that gets slightly changed is if maybe Clay just doesn't look like Clay at all. Sure. And then they have, a, you know, but they're certainly going to get a long look at Clay before February, before they even decide if they even want to marginally improve the team. Slater, I might probably will regret asking you this. I'm going to be self-indulgent and ask anyway. Um, and my disclaimer is to the listeners, this is a 0.5% chance of happening, but, but it did cross my desk recently. Um, you know, in the course of reporting on Portland and the Damian Lillard stuff and the question of is McCollum going to be headed somewhere? Is Dame going to finally say that he wants out? Um, somebody had mentioned like the, the Warriors, you know, the, the, the conversation about having Dame on that team. I, I don't like, have you talked to them about that at any point? What's your vision? I if any, the there? summer that was, that was somewhat of a rumble in the summer when they were, you know, remember the Bradley Beal, uh, you know, Damian Lillard with the Warriors try to reconfigure before they even knew that they were as good as they are with this. Well, first roster. of all, it's so counter and sorry for interrupting you, but like to Dame's wiring, right? Like it's just the polar opposite of how he's been trying to, to do his career. My sense is Lillard would not want to and did not want to, uh, now, you know, entertain the idea Slater of going to the here. Warriors. Um, and I don't think, you know, from a, from how they're building their team with already having, uh, you know, obviously uh, Steph, but Clay as the one, two, like, I don't think that's the way they want to build their team. And then the funny, like, if they were making a big splash, Andrew Wiggins would be involved. Um, and this is where John can enter the proceedings. He's unmovable, here. man. He's like become really important, like like wing for them. Where if you talk about, yeah, if you threw Andrew Wiggins and CJ McCollum on the table in the league, you know, I would say probably more league people would be like, I prefer CJ McCollum. The Warriors, in the way that their roster is constructed, like Andrew Wiggins is more important to that. They need a wing who can guard, um, and can guard the LeBrons, can guard the Kawhis. So, 
Um, have you been surprised, John? I mean, like, uh, it's funny. I've been talking to Marcus a little bit on like podcasts recently. And he'd be like, you know, I, some of these Minnesota people might be going like, this is getting a little, you know, you, you've been consistent a little too long here, Andrew. When's <laughs> it coming? When's the slump coming? Yeah, I, I, it has been a little bit because like I covered him for six years, almost five and a half years. And there almost every season he had maybe three weeks a month where he really put something together and he was hitting his three point shots. He was, you know, defending pretty decently. He's scoring at the rim, doing doing all those things. And you think, okay, the 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 switch has finally flipped. And then invariably, he just kind of then would slowly regress back to the guy who just floats out there and you don't really see him for long stretches. And so I will say that um I do think that this version right now uh is probably the most extended run of really quality play um from him um in in a long time if ever in the nba i will say also too though that what i have said from the moment he got traded and several times over the last couple of years is like i think his ability to excel in that role is much higher than it was to be a you know one a or one b to towns here like he they were literally asking him to do too much here for what he was capable of doing. And so I do think like that kind of produced some of the ups and the downs that you saw from Wiggins is just like he was, he was miscast as a franchise player. And in Golden State, you can just see how comfortable he is, you know, with Steph and Draymond and then Clay eventually coming in up above him for him to be able to just do his thing and not have too much attention on him and scrutiny of him, I think is, is doing wonders for him. He knows what his role is now. He knows he can do it and do it at a high level. And so maybe that's why we're seeing a little more consistency out of him. Yeah, for sure. And I do think just like that's complicated any potential warriors, like big moves. It's just because they're like fine with him at the three. And the fact that his contract is considered negative uh, value league wide, but to them, it's like extreme, like putting Andrew Wiggins in a trade is like very hurtful to their rotation right now. I was talking to Fredell the other night and, you know, we were talking Wiggins had to miss a few games like, oh, you know, that really hurt them. And like, that's just that's where it's become. Sam Amick is just uh, he's disappeared, John. So yeah. we have to hijack the podcast. Is there uh, he was talking about desperate yeah. teams. Um, was there any one on your list that's sure. like, you know, blinking light? Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, there's two. I'll go one in each conference. I think um, in guys, the I'm going to interrupt. I'm back. I'm back. I said I was high. We're doing yeah, fine without I was, you, Sam. No, you were. I hijacked the podcast. I I rerouted your desperation question to John. He was about to deliver the desperate Too bad. teams. He thought. Too bad. I have and to you quickly came back in to before I lose sledgehammer. before I lose Wi-Fi again. I just have to apologize to the trade gods. I I clearly just pushed the envelope too hard. Like the second <laughs> I mentioned Dame to the Warriors, I'm losing power. The winds mm-hmm. are kicking up here in Northern California. I'm sorry. We don't even have to analyze it. Dame in Portland forever. I, I I was mistaken. I apologize. Continue. There you go. But yeah, as I was saying, I, I think I got one in each conference that that I'm looking at um, as desperate teams. And uh, in the East, it's the Knicks, I think. Like they have hit the wall and are definitely backsliding. RJ Barrett's regressing. They need a star. Now, how can they get that? I don't know. They have a bunch of tradable contracts, I guess, but 
uh, and, and some picks and things. But it's clear like it's getting tense there in, in New York. And I think they definitely have to make a move. The, the team in the West um, is Dallas, I think. Like they're kind of like Luca is, you know, he's, he's, he's out of shape. Um, you know, 13 and 13 is, is very underwhelming with new head coach Jason Kidd. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking at those two teams. If we're looking at teams high on the list of that got to go make a move to try and vault back in to meet some of the expectations that they had for themselves going into this season, that, that those would be my picks. Slater, you're running the show. Keep going. Uh, All right. Well, Sam Amick, you brought up the topic. I want to hear your desperation teams. Uh, Now I'm flustered because I, I, you know, I got. You wanted to talk Boston Celtics, Sam. A a source told me that you wanted to to mention the Boston Celtics. Yes. Uh, They're 13 and 14. I don't know if they play tonight. Um, They're floundering. They're out of the playoff picture at the tail end of the play-in picture. You know, Ima Udoka, they got off to that rough start and defensively they were terrible in his first season as head coach. Um, but you, you talk about duos that maybe need to get broken up, not because they they kind of in a vacuum don't do good things, but just because there's only so many ways to improve your roster. You know, the, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo, I think, is is worth looking at. And and Jalen in particular is a name that that popped up recently, you know, sometimes gets tied. I mean, I the idea of him in Portland, guys, I think is is fascinating. Um, you know, with Damian Lillard, I think that would be a fantastic mix. But um, I just think, you know, they had their own front office shakeup, obviously, last summer. Brad Stevens taking over for Danny Ainge, you know, and Mike Zarin, as always, doing his thing as part of that group. Uh, they're active. They're always going to be active. And and this is not, you know, they they are trying to contend and they're they're not even above 500 at this point. Yeah, I, I, you know, the interesting Jalen in Portland with Dame is interesting. It's just a matter of what would they get in return? You know, I mean, that that would really excite because I don't know that McCollum made. I mean, maybe he's, uh, you know, he's a guy that that Boston might like as a shot maker and and maybe as more of a traditional two. Um, that would that would be a little bit different of a compliment for for uh, for Jason Tatum. But um, I mean, they just paid Marcus Smart. And it doesn't mean you can't obviously move him. They could, but that's one thing. I mean, listen, I'm not around the Celtics all that often, but when I was in the bubble and I was around them on a daily basis uh, in the middle of that playoff run, it wasn't hard to figure out that like, first of all, as you guys know, Marcus runs incredibly hot, you know, just in terms of being a competitor. And there was that kind of infamous locker room blow up they had at that point. And it seems like if you had to highlight two guys that, that have been doing this together for a long time now. And occasionally, you know, there's a bit of friction there is that you just constantly hear about Jalen and Marcus. So from a chemistry standpoint, which is something that I feel like the Celtics have been having to to analyze for a long time now, going back to Kyrie. Yeah. When he was there, um, you know, and that's where Brad Stevens and Zarin and, and Ime are the experts and they have to read the room and find out that CJ or somebody like that on paper might not advance your cause, if you will, but does it change the chemistry in the room in the kind of way that does help you? If you're picking between Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown, and you're picking Marcus Smart, <laughs> that's a risky move. Well, but but who uh, are you? You know who you bringing back for him? Yeah, well, I mean, look, it, like Smart would not get near the package Jalen Brown would. But if I was dangling Jalen Brown out to the universe, I think he would be the. I would rather have Jalen Brown than Ben Simmons. I mean, he's playing right now, and he's versatile, young, rising wing who has only improved in like every single area of the game. Um, so I think 
you could you could do much better, in my opinion, than CJ McCollum and some assets than the, for totally Jalen Brown. I, I the, the one thing that's really interesting though is, I, and I don't think it would ever happen, just given Celtic Sixers and 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 how like the rivalry and and how you know they would they're going to meet and all this stuff, but like some sort of package where Jalen Brown goes to the Sixers and Ben Simmons and other assets come to Boston, like from a fit perspective, kind of would make some sense. I mean, I, I agree with you Slater that like Jalen Brown is, it, it has to be much higher on my list of, you know, uh, of top players than, than Ben Simmons is at this point. But so, but if you can get, you know, Simmons and, and, and other pieces for Jalen Brown and then Simmons and Tatum together, like that might, like that might work a little bit more than, than, than Brown and uh, Tatum do right now. What about the Cavs, guys? I, I I keep piggybacking on on some of our good reporting at our site. So Joe Varden, nice piece on the Cavs and how they are are playing well enough that you start having to to look at you know how do you get it to the next level. Uh, and as an aside, people should be reading Kelsey Russo, who does great work on the Cavs beat. Yes, her Evan Mobley Mondays is becoming must read. You know you're you're doing okay as a beat writer if you have a rookie who is, you know, compelling you to have a feature like Evan Mobley Mondays. Um, but they're they're a good squad. So Joe had written that the Pacers uh, have interest in Colin Sexton and then the idea of, of Levert going their way. But whether it's Levert or something else, it's it's a hell of a thing that we're sitting here in mid-December talking about how do the Cavs become more of a contender. Yeah, they were just here in Minnesota and, um, you know, last week. And, man, I mean – just the way that they're put together, um, they have had, I think, the toughest schedule in the league to this point. So, like, that 16 and 12 is no joke. Like, um, they the, the, they have earned their wins. And, you know, Mobley's been unbelievable. They are huge in, in, in this kind of, you know, kind of era of small ball. Like, they've gone the other way. And they've given people all sorts of matchup problems. So, I love, you know, I love Mobley, Jared Allen. Darius Garland's been terrific. So it does feel though, Man, like they if bullied they could the get Kings another... right after the Wolves. Oh. Yeah, just... no, they're they're oh tough, gosh. Man. Yeah, they are tough, and um, and so like it, it, I do, but I do feel like if they could get a Levert like ISO scorer, um, to help them just get a few more buckets late in games and things like that, that might be a missing piece for them that could really vault them. I mean, they're in the fifth seed in the East, which the, the East is really good this year at the top. Um, but I, I really like the way they're put together. I like their vibe. JB Bickerstaff's doing a good job as a coach. They got Rubio off the bench. Kevin Love is kind of rejuvenated That's too. That's your guy, John. It's a, Rubio. It's, it's, it's a good, yep. It's or a good love. Vibe. Both are. Yeah. yeah I'm talking. Old Six they degrees got, like, of. They got a million old wolves there, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> Colin Sexton is kind of, uh, one of the more different trade pieces in this potential trade season. Cause he's out for the year. And he's extension eligible, or you know, he's coming up on needing a contract, wanting to get paid, but not playing for the rest of your tours meniscus. Um, I just it would have to be a team like I guess the Pacers who have already, I guess, decided this that they want over. a guy like Colin Sexton, yeah. who was it was like a 24 point per game score or something like I believe last year. Um so maybe, uh, but there's also plenty of teams that would just like, no, we don't want Colin Sexton, we don't know how good he is, he can't help us this season, we don't know if we want to pay him. Um, but you know. I could see a, a Sexton Lavert swap making sense for for both sides because you know Pacers sound like they've pretty much given up on this season. 
yeah, if they want to rebuild, you know, you bring in a guy like that and then that allows you to still lose games for the rest of this year while you still retain some sort of an asset um, going forward. You'd obviously chase have to down Paulo Benchero. Exactly. You know, and, and, and this allows you to do that. And then, you know, you get a high draft pick, maybe you have Sexton come back in um, and, and next year and, um, and you have a little bit more flexibility and, and maybe things don't look so bad. So I, I think, I think it's a, it would make a lot of sense for Indiana if they could feel confident that they could get a good enough read on Sexton to come up with some sort of manageable, uh, amenable uh, contract situation for him going forward. Uh, that, I mean, I, I, I'd do that. I'd do that deal if I were them. Sam Amick has been booted off the podcast again. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it, John. Do I'm it, gonna, I'm gonna, I've hijacked him again. I'm the one actually, since I live in a similar area to him, been pulling his power to to try to uh, <laughs> take over the podcast no it's it's gonna be um you know trade season is always so fascinating league-wide and and it's it does feel like you know just this podcast and some of shams reporting and some of the ben simmons bur- you know bubbling in recent days it does feel like it's somewhat slowly beginning so uh everyone look out for that and i'm sure we will talk plenty about it in the coming weeks uh john thanks for coming on and sam you don't even get a talk nope see you later Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.